Chapter One of The Imperialist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. Chapter One. It would have been idle to inquire into the antecedents or even the circumstances of old mother beggar-legs she would never tell the children at all events were convinced of that and it was only the children perhaps who had the time and the inclination to speculate her occupation was clear she presided like a venerable stooping hawk over a stall in the covered part of the elgin market-place where she sold gingerbread horses and large round gingerbread cookies and brown sticky squares of what was known in all circles in elgin as taffy she came it was understood with the dawn with the night she vanished spending the interval on a not improbable broomstick her gingerbread was better than anybody's but there was no comfort in standing first on one foot and then on the other while you made up your mind the horses were spirited and you could eat them a leg at a time but there was more in the cookies she bent such a look on you so fierce and intolerant of vacillation she belonged to the group of odd characters rarer now than they used to be etched upon the vague consciousness of small towns as in a way mysterious and uncanny some said that mother beggar-legs was connected with the aristocracy and some that she had been let off being hanged the alternative was allowed full swing but in any case it was clear that such persons contributed little to the common good and being reticent were not entertaining so you bought your gingerbread concealing as it were your weapons paying your copper coins with a neutral nervous eye and made off to a safe distance whence you turned to shout insultingly if you were an untrounced young male of elgin old mother beggar-legs old mother beggar-legs and why beggar-legs nobody in the world could tell you it might have been a dateless waggery or it might have been a corruption of some more dignified surname but it was all she ever got serious meticulous persons called her mrs beggar-legs slightly lowering their voices and slurring it however it must be admitted the name invested her with a graceless anatomical interest it penetrated her wizened black and derisively exposed her her name went far indeed to make her dramatic lord murchison when he was quite a little boy was affected by this and by the unfairness of the way it singled her out moved partly by the oppression of the feeling and partly by a desire for information he asked her sociably one day in the act of purchase why the gilt was generally off her gingerbread he had been looking long as a matter of fact for gingerbread with the gilt on it being accustomed to the phrase on the lips of his father in connection with small profits mother beggar-legs so unaccustomed to politeness that she could not instantly recognize it answered him with an imprecation at which he no doubt retreated suddenly thrown on the defensive hurling the usual taunt one prefers to hope he didn't with the invincible optimism one has for the behavior of lovable people 
but whether or not his kind attempt at colloquy is the first indication i can find of that active sympathy with the disabilities of his fellow-beings which stamped him later so intelligent a meliorist even in this boy's beginning he had a heart for the work and mother beggar-legs but for a hasty conclusion might have made him a friend it is hard to invest mother beggar-legs with importance but the date helps me the date i mean of this chapter about elgin she was a person to be reckoned with on the twenty-fourth of may i will say at once for the reminder to persons living in england that the twenty-fourth of may was the queen's birthday nobody in elgin can possibly have forgotten it the elgin children had a rhyme about it the twenty-fourth of may is the queen's birthday if you don't give us a holiday we'll all run away but elgin was in canada in canada the twenty-fourth of may was the queen's birthday and these were times and regions far removed from the prescription that the anniversary should be observed on any of those various outlying dates which by now must have produced in her immediate people such indecision as to the date upon which her majesty really did come into the world that day and that only was the observed the celebrated a day with an essence in it dawning more gloriously than other days and ending more regretfully unless indeed it fell on a sunday when it was kept on the monday with a slightly clouded feeling that it wasn't exactly the same thing travelled persons who had spent the anniversary there were apt to come back with a poor opinion of its celebration in the old country a pleasant relish to the more than ever appreciated advantages of the new the advantages that came out so by contrast more space such persons indicated more enterprise they boasted and even more loyalty they would flourish all with an affectionate reminiscent smile at the little ways of a grandmother a bank holiday indeed here it was a real holiday that woke you with bells and cannon who has forgotten the time the ancient piece of ordnance in the square blew out all the windows in the methodist church and went on with squibs and crackers till you didn't know where to step on the sidewalks and ended up splendidly with rockets and fire balloons and drunken indians vociferous on their way to the lock-up such a day for the hotels with teams hitched three abreast in front of their aromatic bar-rooms such a day for the circus with half the farmers of fox county agape before the posters with all their chic and shock they cannot produce such posters nowadays nor are there any vacant lots to form attractive backgrounds such a day for mother beggar legs the hotels and the shops and stalls for eating and drinking were the only places in which business was done the public sentiment put universal shutters up but the public appetite insisted upon accepting the means to carnival an air of ceremonial festivity those fastened shutters gave the sunny little town sat round them important and significant and nobody was ever known to forget that they were up and go on a fool's errand 
no doubt they had an impressiveness for the young country folk that strolled up and down main street in their honest best turning into snows for ice cream when a youth was disposed to treat gallantry exacted ten-cent dishes but for young ladies alone or family parties mrs snow would bring five-cent quantities almost without asking and for very small boys one dish and the requisite number of spoons there was discrimination there was choice in this matter of treating a happy excitement accompanied it which you could read in the way corydon clapped his soft felt hat on his head as he pocketed the change to be treated to ten-cent dishes three times in the course of the day by the same young man gave matter for private reflection and for public entertainment expressed in the broad grins of less reckless people i speak of a soft felt hat but it might be more than that it might be a dark green one with a feather in it and here was distinction for such a hat indicated that its owner belonged to the independent order of foresters who would leave their spring wheat for forty miles round to meet in elgin and march in procession wearing their hats and dazzlingly scatter upon main street they gave the day its touch of imagination those green cocked hats they were lyrical upon the highways along the prosaic sidewalks by twos and threes they sang together it is no great thing a hat of any quality but a small thing may ring dramatic on the right metal and in the vivid idea of lorne murchison and his sister edvina a robin hood walked in every independent forester especially in the procession which shows the risks you run if you a person of honest livelihood and solicited vote adopt any portion of a habit not familiar to you and go marching about with a banner and a band two children may be standing at the first street corner to whom your respectability and your property may at once become illusion and your outlawry the delightful fact a cheap trip brought the order of green hats to elgin and there were cheap trips on this great day to persuade other persons to leave it the grand trunk had even then an idea of encouraging social combination for change of scene and it was quite a common thing for the operatives of the milburn boiler company to arrange to get themselves carried to the lakeside or the falls at half a dollar a head the hands got it up themselves and it was a question in elgin whether one might sink one's dignity and go as a hand for the sake of the fifty-cent opportunity a question usually decided in the negative the social distinctions of elgin may not be easily appreciated by people accustomed to the rough-and-ready standards of a world at the other end of the grand trunk but it will be clear at a glance that nobody whose occupation prescribed a clean face could be expected to travel cheek by jowl as a privilege with persons who were habitually seen with smutty ones bare-faced smut streaming out at the polite afternoon hour of six jangling an empty dinner-pail 
so much we may decide and leave it reflecting as we go how simple and satisfactory after all are the prejudices which can hold up such obvious justification there was recently to be pointed out in england the heir to a dukedom who loved stoking and got his face smutty by preference he would have been deplorably subversive of accepted conventions in elgin but happily or otherwise such persons and such places have at present little more than an imaginative acquaintance vaguely cordial on the one side vaguely critical on the other and of no importance in the sum polite society to return to it preferred the alternative of staying at home and mowing the lawn or drinking raspberry vinegar on its own beflagged veranda looking forward in the afternoon to the lacrosse match there was nearly always a lacrosse match on the queen's birthday and it was the part of elegance to attend and encourage the home team as well as that of small boys with broken straw hats who sneaked an entrance and were more enthusiastic than any one it was a quarter to get in so the spectators were naturally composed of persons who could afford the quarter and persons like the young flanagans and finnegans who absolutely couldn't but who had to be there all the same lorne and advina murchison never had the quarter so they witnessed few lacrosse matches though they seldom failed to refresh themselves by a sight of the players after the game when crimson and perspiring but still glorious in striped jerseys their lacrosses and running shoes slung over one shoulder these heroes left the field the birthday i am thinking of with mrs murchison as a central figure in the kitchen peeling potatoes for dinner there was a lacrosse match of some importance for the fox county championship and the fox county cup as presented by the member for the south riding mrs murchison remains the central figure nevertheless with her family radiating from her gathered to help or to hinder in one of those domestic crises which arose when the murchisons were temporarily deprived of a girl everybody was subject to them in elgin everybody had to acknowledge and face them let a new mill be opened and it didn't matter what you paid her or how comfortable you made her off she would go and you might think yourself lucky if she gave a week's warning hard times shut down the mills and brought her back again but periods of prosperity were very apt to find the ladies of elgin where i am compelled to introduce mrs murchison in the kitchen you'd better get up the girl's gone lorne had stuck his head into his sister's room to announce while yet the bells were ringing and the rifles of the local volunteers were spitting out the feu de joie i've lit the fire and swept out the dining-room you tell mother queen's birthday too i guess lobelia's about as mean as they're made and the murchisons had descended to face the situation lorne had by then done his part and gone out into the chromatic possibilities of the day but the sense of injury he had communicated to edvina in her bed remained and expanded lobelia it was felt 
had scurvily manipulated the situation her situation it might have been put if any murchison had been in the temper for jesting she had taken unjustifiable means to do a more unjustifiable thing to secure for herself an improper and unlawful share of the day's excitements transferring her work by the force of circumstances to the shoulders of other people since as mrs murchison remarked somebody has to do it nor had she her mistress testified the excuse of fearing unreasonable confinement i told her she might go when she had done her dishes after dinner said mrs murchison and then she had only to come back at six and get tea what's getting tea i advised her to finish her ironing yesterday so as to be free of it to-day and she said she would be very glad to now i wonder if she did finish it and mrs murchison put down her pan of potatoes with a thump to look in the family clothes basket not she five shirts and all the colored things i call it downright deceit i believe i know the reason she'll say said edvina she objects to rag carpet in her bedroom she told me so rag carpet upon my word mrs murchison dropped her knife to exclaim it's what her betters have to do with i've known the day when that very piece of rag carpet sixty balls there were in it and every one i sewed with my own fingers was the best i had for my spare room with a bit of ingrain in the middle dear me she went on with a smile that lightened the whole situation how proud i was of that performance she didn't tell me she objected to rag carpet no mother edvina agreed she knew better they were all there in the kitchen supporting their mother and it seems an opportunity to name them edvina the eldest stood by the long kitchen table washing the breakfast cups in soft soap and hot water the soft soap mrs murchison had a barrelful boiled every spring in the back yard an old colonial economy she hated to resign made a fascinating brown lather with iridescent bubbles edvina poured cupfuls of it from on high to see the foam rise till her mother told her for mercy's sake to get on with those dishes she stood before a long low window looking out into the garden and the light filtering through apple branches on her face showed her strongly featured and intelligent for fourteen edvina was named after one grandmother when the next girl came mrs murchison to make an end of the matter named it abigail after the other she thought both names outlandish and acted under protest but hoped that now everybody would be satisfied lorne came after edvina at the period of a naive fashion of christening the young sons of canada in the name of her governor-general it was a simple way of attesting a loyal spirit but with mrs murchison more particular motives operated the marquis of lorne was not only the deputy of the throne he was the son-in-law of a good woman of whom mrs murchison thought more and often said it for being the woman she was than for being twenty times a queen 
and he had made a metrical translation of the psalms several of which were included in the revised psalter for the use of the presbyterian church in canada from which the whole of knox church sang to the praise of god every sunday these were circumstances that weighed with mrs murchison and she called her son after the royal representative feeling that she was doing well for him in a sense beyond the mere bestowal of a distinguished and a euphonious name though that as she would have willingly acknowledged was well enough in its place we must take this matter of names seriously the murchisons always did indeed from the arrival of a new baby until the important sunday of the christening nothing was discussed with such eager zest and such sustained interest as the name he should get there was a fascinating list at the back of the dictionary and to the last minute it was problematical in stella's case mrs murchison actually changed her mind on the way to church and abby who had sat through the sermon expecting dorothy maud which she thought lovely publicly cried with disappointment stella was the youngest and mrs murchison was thankful to have a girl at last whom she could name without regard to her own relations or anybody else's i have skipped about a good deal but i have only left out two the boys who came between abby and stella in their names the contemporary observer need not be too acute to discover both an avowal and to some extent an enforcement of mr murchison's political views neither an alexander mackenzie nor an oliver mowat could very well grow up into anything but a sound liberal in that part of the world without feeling himself an unendurable paradox to christen a baby like that was in a manner a challenge to public attention the faint relaxation about the lips of dr drummond the best of the liberals himself though he made a great show of keeping it out of the pulpit recognized this and the just perceptible stir of the congregation proved it sonorously he said it oliver mowat i baptize thee in the name of the father the compliment should have all the impressiveness the right could give it while the murchison brothers and sisters a row in the family pew stood on one foot with excitement as to how oliver mowat would take the drops that defined him the verdict was on the way home that he behaved splendidly alexander mackenzie the year before had roared he was weeping now at the age of seven silently but very copiously behind the woodpile his father had finally cuffed him for importunity and the world was no place for a just boy who asked nothing but his rights only the woodpile friendly mossy logs unsplit stood inconscient and irresponsible for any share in his black circumstances and his tears fell among the lichens of the stump he was bowed on till observing them he began to wonder whether he could cry enough to make a pond there and was presently disappointed to find the source exhausted the murchisons were all imaginative the others oliver and abby and stella still tormented poor alex writes to a present of pocket-money on the queen's birthday 
were common ones and almost statutory how their father sitting comfortably with his pipe in the flickering may shadows under the golden pippin reading the toronto paper could evade his liability in the matter was unfathomable to the murchisons it was certainly illiberal they had a feeling that it was illegal a little teasing was generally necessary but the resistance to-day had begun to look ominous and alec as we know too temerarious had retired in disorder to the woodpile oliver was wiping at Vina's dishes he exercised himself ostentatiously upon a plate standing in the door to be within earshot of his father f wheeler he informed his family f wheeler he's got twenty-five cents and a english sixpence and a yankee nickel and mr wheeler's only a common working man a lot poorer'n we are mr murchison removed his pipe from his lips in order apparently to follow unimpeded the trend of the dominion's leading article oliver eyed him anxiously do father he continued in logical sequence ah do make him mother said abby indignantly it's the queen's birthday time enough when the butter bill's paid said mrs murchison oh the butter bill say father aren't you going to what asked john murchison and again took out his pipe as if this were the first he had heard of the matter give us our fifteen cents each to celebrate with you can't do it under that oliver added firmly crackers are eight cents a packet this year the small size nonsense said mr murchison the reply was definite and final and its ambiguity was merely due to the fact that their father disliked giving a plump refusal nonsense was easier to say if not to hear than no oliver considered for a moment drew abby to colloquy by the pump and sought his brother behind the woodpile then he returned to the charge look here father he said cash down we'll take ten john murchison was a man of few words but they were usually impregnated with meaning especially in anger no more of this he said celebrate fiddlesticks go and make yourselves of some use you'll get nothing from me for i haven't got it so saying he went through the kitchen with a step that forbade him to be followed his eldest son arriving over the backyard fence in a state of heat was just in time to hear him lauren's apprehension of the situation was instant and his face fell but the depression plainly covered such splendid spirits that his brother asked resentfully well what's the matter with you matter oh not much i'm going to see the cayugas beat the wanderers that's all and abe mckinnon's mother said he could ask me to come back to tea with them can i mother there's no objection that i know of said mrs murchison shaking her apron free of stray potato parings but you won't get money for the lacrosse match or anything else from your father to-day i can assure you they didn't do five dollars worth of business at the store all day yesterday and he's as cross as two sticks oh that's all right 
lorne shingled his pocket and oliver took a fascinated step toward him i made thirty cents this morning delivering papers for fisher his boy's sick i did the north ward took me over an hour guess i can go all right can't i why yes i suppose you can said his mother the others were dumb oliver hunched his shoulders and kicked at the nearest thing that had paint on it abby clung to the pump handle and sobbed aloud lorne looked gloomily about him and went out making once more for the back fence he encountered alexander in the recognized family retreat oh my goodness he said and stopped in a very few minutes he was back in the kitchen followed sheepishly by alexander whose grimy face expressed the hope that beat behind his little waistcoat say you kids he announced alex got four cents and he says he'll join up this family's going to celebrate all right come on downtown no one could say that the murchisons were demonstrative they said nothing but they got their hats mrs murchison looked up from her occupation alec she said out of this house you don't go till you've washed your face lorne come here she added in a lower voice producing a bunch of keys if you look in the right-hand corner of the top small drawer in my bureau you'll find about twenty cents say nothing about it and mind you don't meddle with anything else i guess the queen isn't going to owe it all to you End of chapter 1